Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week. We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks. Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us. Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us! Mike and Mike go to the movies. Mike and Mike go to the movies. Yeah! You have chosen mcgruber we made a fucking podcast mcgruber my name is mike decrecio and welcome to <laughs> don't get laugh at me mike sorry it's all right welcome to today's episode of mike and mike go to the movies my name is mike decrecio and joining me as always is the king of ripping throats mike smith mike smith uh welcome to the podcast i'm uh, excited to be your host today because it's a very special episode today it it's is your birthday it is uh, my birthday uh, podcast. It was actually technically my birthday yesterday. Wow. Well, uh, well, but in podcast time, there's no yesterdays and yeah. todays. <laughs> time is immortal in, in the world of podcasts. You're right, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> um, just uh, stay tuned for next week's episode and you'll understand why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we recorded it a little while ago. Uh, yeah, it was my birthday this past weekend. And uh, yeah, so we're doing like a special birthday bylaws podcast. Uh, right. And you're and you're hosting. You're introducing the, uh, the podcast this time around, Mike. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I was about to start like getting into my spiel but this is all you this is all your thing <laughs> it's all me baby take it take us take a take a load off How, yes what, did, you, did you do anything anything exciting for your birthday uh yeah we did a few things actually uh first off uh it was friday the 25th so i had to go see uh f9 uh in theaters <laughs> as is custom as is customary yes <laughs> if, if there's a fast and furious movie opening on your birthday weekend uh you're legally obliged to go yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I went to go see F9 this past weekend and uh, thought it was fun. Had a good time with it. It was just it was good to reunite with the family. You know, it was, the, it was good. The movies. Yes, the movies. It was, it was great to be able to finally see the movie that that is related to. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had a good time with F9 and uh, I'm sure we'll uh, have a longer discussion about that movie down the line when you finally see it. And maybe we can get a couple of our Fast and Furious family onto the podcast because uh, uh, we've had uh, Vin Craig on for our Let's Rank the Fast and Furious episode. We have Kyle Cullen on for our Hobbs and Shaw episode. That's you right. Know, we we got to have our own Fast Five here where we bring the family together. <laughs> To talk yeah. about F9, uh, but I did <laughs> enjoy the movie. Mode. Yes, exactly. Uh, but I did enjoy the movie. I thought it was fun. I, I had a good time with it. I, I do think it's one of the weaker entries in the recent Fast and Furious saga, because I, I really think like five, six and seven are like this perfect action trilogy. Like they yeah, are the heights so, of cinema. Yeah. So, so good. And so, so great together. And the thing about it is Furious 7 really ends every major story arc that was going on in the Fast and Furious movies. You know, yeah. Letty got a memory back. Uh, Brian, like, you know, fully accepts civilian life and all that stuff. Obviously, Paul Walker died, which is why his character is written that way. But still, uh, it kind of like there's a, a really good sense of closure with Furious 7. And then with Fate of the Furious and Hobbs and Shaw and F9, I've enjoyed those movies, but they do feel like movies where it's like they are struggling to find like new story threads that work as well as they right. did for like five, six and seven or the movies leading up to five, six and seven, even though I like eight and nine more than most of the older movies. Do. <laughs> uh, but the, if you're looking for the insane action, this one's got it. Uh, I don't think quite as insane as Fate of the Furious, honestly, uh, although there is like conceptually some of the stuff is more insane. But I think in practice, Fate of the Furious, like Fate of the Furious has, you know, Jason Statham did a, in a gunfight on a plane with a baby strapped to him and yeah. he falls out of the plane and it's the rock moves a torpedo with his arm and they're fighting a <laughs> nuclear submarine. I mean, it's a crazy movie. Uh, I forgot about that. And there's crazy stuff in F9, to be sure. And like Justin Lin returns to the franchise, which is pretty cool. And he brings that like kind of assured direction to it. Uh, it's also a lot talkier than I thought it would be. This really? movie's 
very much about like the backstory of Dominic Toretto. And that's an interesting angle for it to take and not one that I was really expecting. So I think uh, coming out of it the first time around, I may have been like a little deflated just because I was like, yeah, that was different than what I thought it was going to be, I guess. Uh, so I feel like I got to see it a second time to really like fully embrace the world of F9. Um, but I, I do think the critical consensus of the movie has been like, like, it's pretty good. Like, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> but uh, th- there are definitely people I've seen that are like huge fans of F9. Like they're like wow. you know, re- really into the movie. Um, but if you look at like the Rotten Tomatoes score, even it's like a 58 right now, I think, which is like, uh, you know, right on the other side of fresh. It's not it's yeah. not uh, not the best. And usually the series, uh, you know, especially when like I think five, six and seven, they were like 80s, 90s. Like they were, again, the heights of cinema. Uh, they were <laughs> not that the Rotten Tomatoes score really means all that much, but F9 definitely does have its fans. Uh, so uh, I definitely want to see it again. And I liked it, um, but it's on kind of the, the lower end of my Fast and Furious ranking for me as of right now. Yeah, uh, that makes I think sense. I, I have it ranked at like number six out of 10. So it's like right in the middle, right in the middle there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do want to see it, obviously, uh, but my trust in strangers has been destroyed over the last year and uh, risking COVID for F9 doesn't particularly seem worth it, uh, <laughs> even though I'm vaccinated. But still, we'll yes. see what happens. Uh, well, we'll wait till it comes out on VOD and then we'll have a we'll we'll get the family together and make yes. an episode. Yeah, which uh, should be in like three weeks, I think. I mean, just based on like what I know of the universal deal with AMC and all that stuff. I mean, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, theoretically, it should be out on video on demand relatively soon, uh, despite the fact that it's actually making a ton of money uh, worldwide. Like it's doing Uh, really, really well. I I think like a 400 million worldwide box office and like a 70 million U.S. box office for its opening weekend, uh, which I think normally if like a Fast and Furious movie opened to 70 in the U.S. it'd be like, oh, no, this is a disaster. Uh, Yeah. But, you know, because it's a pandemic, the uh, the numbers are a little bit more lenient this time around. I think. <laughs> um, we got to re- readjust our expectations a bit, you know? Exactly. But I did, I did really enjoy F9, some fun stuff in there for sure. And uh, a lot, a lot of like fan servicey bits for Fast and Furious fans, uh, a lot of returning characters too, which uh, I, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's Ooh. some stuff in there. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that was F9. That was on Friday. Then Saturday went to go see werewolves within, uh, at the Roxy Theater, which is the theater near my house in Missoula, Montana. And we uh, did that, and uh, that was really fun. A really fun, like, cool horror comedy, which uh, you're a fan of uh, Josh Rubin, I think, or you watched one of his movies, so you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know him. Uh, he, I don't know if he was full-time part of College Humor, but at least College Humor adjacent. Right. Um, so I know him from that and from a couple of things on Dropout, which is the College Humor streaming app. And then he made Scare Me, which was on Shudder uh, this past Halloween, which I really, really, really liked. Um, yes. And yeah. you talked and you talked about it on this podcast a while back, I think, in our discussions uh, at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've heard good things, but I, I do want to go check that out now that I've seen Werewolves Within, which is basically like Clue or Knives Out, but with a werewolf. Uh, yeah. And it's actually a very good whodunit. I, I was kept guessing the entire time of who the werewolf was. Uh, It's it's based on the Ubisoft video game Werewolves Within, which I think is based on the card game Werewolf. Yeah. Um, And I have played Werewolf like there's, you know, card game and uh, all that stuff that I've played like at parties and stuff. And it's a very fun game. And this movie like does capture that spirit of like anybody could be the werewolf at any time. Uh, Stars Sam Richardson and Milana Vaintrub and Sam Richardson. I've liked for a long time. He's he was on Veep for uh, many seasons and uh, all that stuff. He pops up and I think you should leave a lot uh, as well. He's the guy who's like doing the baby pageant. Yeah, uh, yeah. In that in that sketch. Uh, and then Milana Vaintrub is a uh, Lily from the AT&T commercials. Uh, and yeah. she's a delight. She's incredible. Why is she not in all the movies? She's she's amazing uh, in this movie. She was supposed to be a squirrel girl uh, in a Whoa. in a Marvel TV show called New Warriors a couple of years ago. They never got off the ground. Like they shot a pilot and they never actually uh, made anything past that. And uh, watching this, I was like, how did how did th- that thing not happen? <laughs> yeah. I know I she's so- a. 
<laughs> I'm so retroactively mad. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> a thing you were robbed of ever having. Exactly. Um, yeah. What were you going to say, Mike? Um, I know she's also like a sketch comedian. She had a sketch show with somebody else. And I can't remember. That was very good. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, she's she's around. Check check her out, I guess. You know? Yeah. She, and she's really great in, uh, in Werewolves Within. Um, but yeah, so I really enjoyed that movie. And that I, I figured that was going to be like the extent of my birthday celebrations. You know, I was like, right. oh, I got to see a couple of movies. Who Who can ask for more? Uh, and then uh, actually my girlfriend kind of surprised me and uh, we ended up uh, going axe throwing that night. Uh, it was a it was a perfect segue, actually. So she she had been planning it for a while, but played it off as very spontaneous, mm-hmm. um, you know. But uh, in the movie in Werewolves Within, there's a scene where they're axe throwing. And <laughs> afterwards, wow. we like went and got a slice of pizza and we were you know sitting there eating our pizza. And she's like, yeah, you know, would you like to go axe throwing tonight for your birthday? And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds fun. Like, sure. Why not? Uh, which is a good thing I said yes, because if I said no, this whole thing would have been derailed. Yeah. Um, what do you do then? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I said, yeah, sure. That sounds like a good time. We've gone axe throwing a couple times. It's always a good time. It worked out pretty well that like it was in the movie and she was able to segue perfectly into it because she had been planning like an axe throwing surprise party for a couple of weeks, <laughs> uh, you know, with a few of our friends here in Missoula. Uh, and so we got to the axe throwing place and, uh, you know, I saw like two people that I knew and I was like, huh? Oh, hey, guys, weird that you guys are here. And it took me like, yeah. a second to catch on that. <laughs> That they were all here for my party. Wait uh, a second. But yeah, we had like a, a party at the axe throwing place, which was pretty cool. So uh, yeah, that was great. Shout out to my girlfriend for making that happen. Yeah, good job, girlfriend. That's pretty yes. funny. Like, is like, what if what if she's a secret like mastermind and got that scene put into Werewolves Within? She contacted <laughs> Josh Rubin uh, yes. a year and a half ago and was like, "Listen, <laughs> just on Twitter at Josh Rubin." <laughs> Yes, absolutely. That's uh, I I would not be surprised if that's the case. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so we did that, which was great. And then uh, actually Sunday night, uh, the Roxy, the Anything Name House in Missoula, Montana, they've been doing uh, these outdoor movie nights. Uh, They call them the Hip Strip Movie Night. Uh, And I actually talked about this in the discussions episode that we recorded, but are releasing next week. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But they did one for the Royal Tenenbaums for the first one. They were supposed to do Spider-Verse. It got rained out. Uh, And so the Royal Tenenbaums ended up being the first one they did, which was really fun. Got to see that movie for the first time in a long time, uh, kind of projected on the wall of the senior center across the street from the Roxy. And this weekend on my actual birthday, they were showing Buster Keaton's The General, which is a movie that I had seen once uh, a few years back. Uh, and, you know, I, I think I watched it like alone at my house and I was like, yeah, it's pretty good, you know, because it's yeah. like a silent movie. And it's it, it's sometimes tough to get into uh, silent movies, watching them just alone at home. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it could be difficult, especially I think like I find certain ones more accessible than others. Like I love a lot of Charlie Chaplin movies, uh, but Buster Keaton movies, for whatever reason, have just like not been as much of like a, I haven't been as into those. And so I saw the general a couple years ago, thought it was pretty good. Uh, and then watching it here in this environment, which uh, which was about like 50 other people in like this parking lot, you know, projected on the wall. And it had a live score by a guy named Travis Yost, who's a local M- Missoula musician. Uh, and I was expecting, you know, I didn't know who Travis Yost was or whatever. I was expecting, you know, like an old ragtime piano uh, yeah. playing along with the old Buster Keaton 1926 uh, comedy. Right. Like that just felt like that's what I thought a live score was going to be. Yeah, and instead it was like it this. And instead it was like this more like cerebral guitar slash drum machine combo that he had going on. Uh, and it gave the movie a much different feel than I remember having when I saw it a few years back. So uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's that's uh, one of the tough things about silent films when watching them, like, you know, like you said, alone on your couch 
with just whatever musical track is, you know, been added to it when you're supposed to air quotes uh, when yes. they came out, see them in a packed theater with a live ragtime piano guy. Yeah, um, they're, they're genuinely like not designed for home viewing. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> wasn't know? even a thing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that's kind of what I was thinking about watching this, uh, you know, in with the live score, which I had never done before for a silent film or really for anything. I had heard like I remember there were like things where like, you know, I think I had a friend who went to go see Lord of the Rings with like a full orchestra behind it or something. Yeah. Uh, which sounds like a very cool thing, but it's also like less of a a movie experience, more of a concert experience, because then you're kind of like drowning out the actual dialogue and stuff right. from the movie because you're hearing like the live orchestra blare over it. And I feel like when you're watching it with a silent movie, it is like just such a, a perfect blend of imagery and live sound. Uh, and it was just a really cool experience. So definitely a worth watching silent movies with a live score if you're able to do it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's that sounds very cool. And yeah, that's the thing I've been meaning to get. To, you know, to try to see one time. I think Hans Zimmer does a tour and stuff like that. And yeah, they, they do stuff like that around around uh, every now and then. So with you know, classic movies, that'd be that'd be fun. Um, but today we're here to talk about something that is on the same exact caliber as a uh, Buster Keaton height of cinema <laughs> comedy on the list of uh, the 100 greatest comedies of all time. I mean, they're like number one and two, right? <laughs> yeah, basically most influential <laughs> movies of all time. Uh, you'll have to refer to our Goldblum Pot episode to hear what number one and two are. Number three, this MacGruber. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yes. Uh, so last year for the podcast, uh, you you should explain it because we, we, you yeah. know, we, uh, we, we you're, you're hosting this. Uh, I, I just talked for 10 minutes straight, but you're hosting the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So last year on my birthday, I decided uh, I created our podcast bylaw which is uh, or the birthday bylaw, rather, yes. which is on your birthday. You can just decide that we get to watch a movie. And uh, last year uh, for my birthday in October, I picked Twister and somehow that turned into Twister and Speed. Well, because they, they were both Jan de Bont movies. They were, of course. Uh, hashtag debauchery. <laughs> hashtag debauchery, of course. How could we forget? Uh, and yeah, you chose Twister because it was like your babysitter movie. And I think yeah. we have been threatening to do a Twister episode for a really long time. You know, just one yeah. of those things that like every once in a while we start talking about Twister and then you're like, oh, we should just do an episode about Twister. Uh, and we finally did it. Uh, and then I think I was like. Yeah, I mean, we'll do Twister. I, I like speed a lot more, though, and maybe we should just yeah. do both. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Uh, and so we ended up talking about Twister and speed, which worked out because you're also a big fan of speed. Yeah. Who, 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 what's not to like about Twister and speed? Yes. Uh, so then as, as we approached your birthday, I texted you and reminded you, hey, don't forget, technically, you have a birthday bylaw option. A clause that you could enact uh, in, in our podcast contract that doesn't exist. Um, Absolutely. And, and you you decided you said, yes, we're doing it. And of course, you picked your number one movie of all time. <laughs> I don't know if it actually is, but it's got to uh, be close. I wouldn't say number one, but it's like yeah, maybe top. Uh, let's say top 50. It's in my top 50 movies of all time. I have a lot of wow. movies that I really love. That's, that's that's lower. That's more than I thought, like uh, a bigger field than I thought it would be. Yeah, well, I don't want to say like top 10 of all time, then leave out like Jaws or something, you know, like <laughs> yeah, want... that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, Jaws is probably like number one, like but um, Gruber. It's high up there for me, man. I love MacGruber. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned that we were doing this birthday bylaw thing and I had completely forgotten about that. Uh, and then you're like, so what do you want to talk about? And I was like, I don't know, I guess MacGruber. Like, I, <laughs> like, I just like that, that's fine, right? That works. Uh, it wasn't even like like a couple days after I said that there was like a little bit more news and like the MacGruber TV show. Uh, oh, yeah. Which is, which is happening on Peacock. Uh, I believe it's filming now. And uh, that's pretty exciting. I'll talk about that in a little bit. 
uh, if I remember. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, MacGruber is just a movie that's like always on my mind. It's a movie that I think about a lot. Uh, it's a movie I quote all the time. It's a movie that uh, if I'm on Twitter, I'll reference MacGruber a lot. Like if you if you search M. Smith film blog MacGruber, you're going to find so many <laughs> different <laughs> tweets uh, just of me talking about MacGruber from over the years. Uh, and I saw this movie back in 2010. I saw it in theaters when it came out. Uh, and I was like one of the five people that did, you know, it was uh, not a movie that uh, played super long. Actually, I remember specifically MacGruber came out. It was uh, May 2010 and uh, it happened to be uh, it, it came out one weekend. I couldn't go that first opening weekend for whatever reason. I don't remember exactly why I couldn't go that first opening weekend. And then it was playing a week later, like that same, like the second weekend. And then it was gone. Like I saw wow. it that second weekend and then it just disappeared. Like it was not at the Regal Theater near my house anymore. Uh, but that, that happened to be a weekend. That was a very good weekend for me uh, because it was a weekend that my family was gone. Like I had the house nice. to myself and I was 17. So I was like 17. I had the house to myself for like an entire weekend. And I spent the entire thing uh, watching movies and eating pizza. Uh, wow. And like I, I, it wasn't even like, you know, real pizza that I ordered. It was like I had like two DiGiorno pizzas that were in the freezer yeah, and I yeah. ate all of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I watched like uh, I think I rewatched The Breakfast Club that weekend. I watched uh, Blue Velvet for the first time that weekend. I watched uh, Duncan Jones's Moon for the first time that oh. weekend. Uh, I watched South Park Bigger, Longer and Uncut for the first time that weekend. Uh, I also played the original God of War like almost all the way through. I think that weekend like I, I did a lot of stuff just on my own that weekend. But the one time I ventured out of my house that entire weekend was to meet my buddy, Steve, to go see MacGruber. <laughs> Hell yeah. The only time you put pants on that whole weekend. Yes. Uh, and it was a, a pretty incredible, like genuinely one of the top 10 weekends of my life. Like that's, <laughs> it, was, it was a good weekend. Um, but yeah, so we went to go see MacGruber and uh, it was a movie that I was pretty excited about um, because I was a huge fan of SNL at the time and still am. I think f fans a strong word of SNL. I'm, I'm an avid viewer of SNL. You're you're an audience member. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm an SNL historian. Mike. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> I think that's the word. I mean, SNL is also a show that I've just been obsessed with since I started watching it, really, even like a little bit before that, because like. Right around the time I was like nine or ten, I started to have like, you know, comedy people that I really like grafted onto. Uh, you know, I started to get into like Mike Myers movies because like Shrek had just come out. And I was like, oh, yeah. what's Austin Powers? I think I watched like Austin Powers 2 at a friend's sleepover. And I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. Uh, and I think I like did the fat bastard thing for my parents uh, yeah. when I was like six, not knowing that bastard was a curse word. Uh, oh, no. And yeah, so I found that out pretty quick. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, that kind of thing. I saw Austin Powers 2 and I got really into Mike Myers and I saw like a couple of Adam Sandler movies and I got really into Sandler. Uh, and then I found out they all came from the same show. They were all SNL cast members. And I found right. out like about SNL. Uh, and I remember like we got a DVR when I was in like sixth grade. And when we got the DVR, I was like started using it to like find older shows that like I had didn't have access to at the time because mm -hmm. before we could just watch live TV. And I was pretty much like, you know, I'm watching Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network and that's pretty much it. Uh, and I was starting to expand my horizons a little bit. I think I like just got into Seinfeld. Uh, and when I got a DVR, I started watching The Simpsons like religiously because um, I had seen like a few episodes of The Simpsons here and there. Like my parents weren't watching because it was a kind yeah. of a taboo show in the house. I was uh, definitely not allowed to watch The Simpsons either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was kind of a taboo show. But once I was like 11 or 12, it was like kind of OK. And so I started like taping new episodes of The Simpsons, but also Fox would air 
like two reruns of The Simpsons every day, Monday through Friday. And so I would tape all those and watch those. And that's basically how I watched The Simpsons for the first time. And it ruled. It was good times. Uh, but anyway, I, that's how I started watching SNL. I taped an, a rerun of SNL from the 80s because Robin Williams was the host of it. And I was like, oh, well, Robin Williams, uh, uh, the genie. This is, this yeah. is great. He's Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, this is going to be great. And I watched it. And I didn't get it at all. I was 11 years old and watching like a, a 1983 episode of SNL. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, I don't understand any of these references. Uh, like it, it wasn't funny to me. Uh, so I was like, OK, well, maybe that didn't work out quite so well. But then I didn't think about taping like new episodes of SNL. And then I, uh, I found out that Jason Lee was hosting SNL. This was right around the time My Name is Earl got really big, like the first yeah. season had just started. And uh, that was one of the first shows that I like grafted onto that was like, this is a show for adults and I'm an adult now kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was NBC Thursdays and I started watching those and like The Office and all that. Uh, and so Jason Lee was hosting SNL. I taped that episode because I was like, well, Jason Lee's hosting. Gotta watch. And that was the year that like Andy Samberg started on SNL. It was the year that like, uh, you know, Kristen Wiig, it was Keenan Thompson. Well, Keenan Thompson's still there. But like yeah. <laughs> Kristen Wiig, Bill Hader, uh, Will Forte, like all these like, you know, great like, you know, people were in the cast at that time. And I watched the Jason Lee episode and I was like, I'm pretty much hooked. And the sketch that really got me in that Jason Lee episode was a sketch with Will Forte in it called The Falconer, uh, <laughs> which are you familiar with The Falconer at all, Mike? That sounds familiar. And I feel like I'm conjuring an image in my head, but I have no idea. If it was it's right. It was like a Will Forte is like a mountain man who has like a falcon and he would just like talk to his falcon. And I, I think it was like named Mordecai or something. Yeah. Uh, and like, you know, the, in the sketch, Jason Lee like comes in as like the hitchhiker off the side of the road and is like lost in the woods. And Will Forte is like, you know, like flee from this place, like all, all that kind of stuff. I don't even remember like the exact details of the sketch all that much. They did it a few times back in the day, mm -hmm. um, but it was one that like I latched onto immediately. And I thought Will Forte was hilarious. Uh, and I became a really big fan of Will Forte on SNL, especially. And so it's a very long winded way of saying I was a big fan of the MacGruber sketches on SNL. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were the prime target audience for MacGruber in 2010. I, I, I was the only target audience <laughs> for MacGruber in 2010. Uh, but MacGruber was always great. It was always like a highlight of SNL whenever it was on. Um, yeah. And it was also a show that kind of a sketch that kind of like broke up the structure of the show in a weird way, um, because there would always be three of them every single night. Whenever, whenever wow. they did MacGruber, like most SNL sketches, they're one and done. They do a sketch and they move on to the next sketch kind of thing. Uh, but with MacGruber, they would have them scattered throughout the night and they were like relatively short sketches. They were pre-taped, which was a time when SNL pre-taped sketches weren't as common as they are. Yeah. Now, uh, like now half the show is pre-taped, um, but, but back then it was like, oh, the SNL digital short is like the like a unique thing that the Lonely Island is doing and no one else. Right. Uh, and so MacGruber was like a pre-taped sketch they would do once in a while where, you know, they would do like one like minute and a half long sketch like early in the show. And then there would be a second sketch later in the show and a third one at the towards the end. And they would all kind of build on each other. They would all be like centered around the same theme and each one involving the same characters. And, uh, you know, they would always have the same punchline. Every sketch would always be the building blows up and the build, and the, the guy would shout MacGruber. Yeah. And that was it. And they made and I remember when they announced they were making a MacGruber movie. I was like, how? <laughs> yeah, right. He dies in every sketch. <laughs> he dies in every sketch. Every sketch is 90 seconds long. It's the same thing over and over again. Uh, and at that time, I was like pretty familiar with SNL movies. Like I knew there was like three good ones. There was the Blues Brothers. There was Wayne's World. And there was uh, Wayne's World 2. I was going to I actually want to oh, go ahead. I, I do want to talk about those, though. I want to come back to that. Oh, totally. Yeah, we should we should talk about it now with the, the legacy of SNL movies, Mike. Yeah, that's that's the thing that I don't think I ever really knew about. Uh, you know, obviously, until you, know, you 
figure out you're like wait a second i've seen molly shannon do superstar before why like why yeah. do i know what this is from and then you're like oh i'm 10 years old snl uh, you know or whatever uh whatever it might be yes but that, that idea that we can just take a you know five minute bit or whatever we do on snl and expand it into a whole movie is is wild yes <laughs> crazy and, it, to me. and it can ha- it kind of happened like you know they did the blues brothers in the 80s right yeah. which is basically like it's barely an snl sketch it was like you know, kind of like a bit like Dan Aykroyd and uh, John Belushi would, did once or twice on SNL, like they were they were the musical guest as the Blues Brothers. Um, yeah. But like, the movie was like basically invented wholesale from like nothing. It's like just like those two characters those guys had and nothing else. Right. Uh, and then they didn't really do a ton of movies until the 90s. Like it was like the Blues Brothers. They did like Gilda Live, which is like a taping of her one her one woman show uh, mm-hmm. right? the Gilda, Gilda Radner. And then like in the 90s, they did Coneheads. They did because uh, Wayne's World was such a huge hit. Right. Uh, Wayne, Wayne's World was the first one and it kicked off a wave of SNL movies throughout the 90s that included Wayne's World 2, Coneheads, uh, It's Pat, uh, Stuart Saves His Family, uh, Night at the Roxbury, The Ladies Man, uh, yeah. and Superstar. And uh, I, I might even be missing like one or two there. But yeah, there was I just like... I forgot about Ladies Man. It, it, it was like once a year, there would be like an SNL movie throughout the 90s. And then The Ladies Man was the last one and they stopped doing them because they were getting increasingly bad uh, mm-hmm. And and also they weren't making any money. I mean, like Wayne's World was such a huge hit. Wayne's World 2 was pretty big, too. I think Coneheads made money. And then like after that, like almost all of them are flops. Like, but they right. they kept making them because it's like, oh, this is like the star making vehicle for these guys. Like it was for Mike Myers. Right. And so you have like people like Will Ferrell in starring roles in Night at the Roxbury like years before they get like actual breakout starring roles, like yeah. Will Ferrell's like kind of like real movie breakout is like Elf Anchorman, like a few years later. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Night at the Roxbury is 98, but he's like the star of it and he's there. Yeah. And then so the, there's a big gap until MacGruber. And is that has yes. that been the last one? That, that has been the last SNL movie uh, is MacGruber. Uh, and, you know, there, there were talk there was talk about doing a MacGruber 2 for a long time, uh, even though the movie bombed at the box office because it was relatively cheap to make. I think the budget was like ten million dollars. Yeah. Uh, and I, I did. I did find it. It made nine point three million worldwide on yeah. ten million. So like it's not I mean, that's not great, obviously, but it's not like a right. huge flop. And I feel like probably in home video it made more than 10 million i would assume yeah i mean mcgruber has grown into a huge cult audience over time yeah uh which has been very exciting to see as somebody who was there from the beginning you know like i, I was one of the og mcgruber fans i wasn't there opening weekend but i was there the second weekend uh, you were a group head <laughs> exactly yeah like in the years since mcgruber came out which was 2010 since then i mean because mcgruber also directed by yorma tacone of the lonely island uh, right. And, you know, since then, he directed Popstar, co-directed that with Akiva Schaefer, which is like another movie that flopped at the box office, didn't make it didn't make it enough money and has gained a cult following since it came out. Yeah. MacGruber, like everybody involved in MacGruber has said, like, yeah, MacGruber is like one of the best things we ever did. And like there there have been like screenings of MacGruber that have sold out across the country kind of thing. Like I remember there was like a couple of years ago, they had like a reunion thing with MacGruber where it was like a sold out crowd. And it was like the like Will Forte like in person, like doing a Q&A afterwards. I think it was like at a draft after something. Yeah. Uh, but and he was saying, like, yeah, it's it's pretty great that like this movie that like completely bombed. And I thought my career was over because he like left SNL the year the movie came out, too. Wow. Uh, like this, this was pretty much it for like Will Forte on SNL. It's kind of his finale. It's pretty great. Like this, th- I thought my career was like basically over after this. And like a few years later, it's like, oh, this is like the most beloved thing that I've done now. <laughs> yeah it's i guess i guess now that you mentioned uh lonely island that'd be the closest to an snl movie we've got yes right technically yeah probably pop star is definitely close because it is i mean it's andy samberg uh who was on snl back in the day it's not based on any kind of snl sketch no although andy samberg did have a similar character called blizzard man on snl 
which was one of my favorites. And it, uh, he brought it back when he hosted once. And I was so psyched because like nobody remembers that sketch. Uh, but it was yeah. just like it, they would have like a rapper kind of come in. I, I think Ludacris was like the big one. OK, uh, Ludacris came like was on the show. I think he might have been like hosting a musical guest. Basically, like the whole thing would be like Ludacris would be playing himself and he'd be like, all right, you know, I have this track and we need to do something really good with it. We need to bring in this guest guy to come in. Uh, and then Andy Samberg would come in as the Blizzard Man and his whole like verse would be like rap song rap song uh, i'm singing on a rap song uh and ludicrous would be like this is the dopest shit i've ever heard and everybody else in the room would be like this is terrible like <laughs> that, that i remember everything about that now okay. that you said that yeah <laughs> Holy shit. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and so, yeah, he brought that back when he hosted a few years ago and I was so excited. Uh, so, yeah, so that's there's a, there's a similarity there between like that character and Connor for real and pop star. But there's a few degrees of difference, too. Uh, oh, yeah. But, but yeah, as far as like SNL movies go, there hasn't been anything since McGruber. I also don't know what they would do like on like uh, yeah. as far as sketches. And I'm somebody who watches SNL every week whenever it's on, you know, in the past few years, I've, I've still really enjoyed the show. And I think this past season has been actually a pretty solid improvement over the last couple of years. Uh, but I think the show like really took a turn once Trump became president and its political comedy has been basically terrible for the last four years. Uh, I yeah. think like I, like I really like when they first started doing Alec Baldwin as Trump, that was before Trump was elected. And I thought it was pretty good. Like I, I, I mm -hmm. had fun watching this Trump and, you know, Kate McKinnon and Hillary like debate each other. That was kind of fun. But even then, like the sketches were just like. This is just the stuff that people are saying. Like, there's no added jokes to it. This is just the stuff that's happening in the news right now. Uh, yeah. Which was weird. Uh, and then when Trump became president, it became, well, this is not this isn't very good anymore. <laughs> like this is like this is much worse. And like the sketches like immediately took a dive. Uh, and I think that that first year, they're OK. They, they still had Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider as head writers and, th and they really knew what they were doing, I think. Uh, and then they left after that season. And then I think the show kind of took a while to find itself over the for the political comedy, at least over the course of the last few years. Uh, but then this year, after the 2020 election, which the lead up to the 2020 election had some of the worst political comedy SNL's ever done, uh, <laughs> which had like a Jim Carrey as Joe Biden. And it was like the one of the worst. like I like Jim Carrey a lot. And I was kind of excited to see what that was. And he really didn't have a take on Biden. That was interesting. It was just him doing Jim Carrey. Um, right. But uh, basically, after the election, they kind of pivoted away from doing a ton of political stuff and they got more into absurdist comedy uh, over the last like, you know, three quarters of a season and, you know, more commenting directly on the actual like COVID situation, all that stuff. And I found it to be a lot more successful and like it, it hit a lot more, I think, uh, which was good. So hopefully you can keep uh, continuing in that direction, especially now that the show's kind of getting more back to normal uh, mm -hmm. with next season coming up. Yeah, it's it's been a weird few years for SNL, but I, I can't think of a single sketch they've done over the past 10 years that could be the basis for a new movie. They don't really do a ton of recurring sketches anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, it's, it's such a weird thing that like SNL as like a cultural monolith, I just zero attachment to it anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> not that I had a huge attachment in the way you did, but I definitely remember like, I think it was a comedy central or something used to air like the two hour edit of like sure. old stuff from the nineties. Uh, and I used to watch those all the time. I really like that. And then, you know, the stuff going on uh, like that era you were just talking about with Andy Samberg and Bill Hader and, and and Will Forte and all those guys. That was like, you know, my high school and stuff. So I was super into that. And then I was just like, meh, you know, like, I don't know, you just kind of lost. They just kind of <laughs> lost me. And then I, who, who cares anymore? Yes. Um, 
the last 10 years or so. So, yeah, it's 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 weird to try to th- come up with a character that they might build a whole movie on. Yeah, but it's th- been I, half an hour and we haven't gotten into MacGruber. Mike. Let's, <laughs> right. let's do it. Yeah, a, let's a talk quick, about MacGruber. A quick aside. I do think if they were going to do one movie, I, I think the only character that could be a contender is maybe Chad, which oh, is the yeah. which is the Pete Davidson character whose whole whose whole thing is just he goes, OK. Like, you know, yeah, which is which I think is a really funny recurring sketch. I really like Chad, um, but it's also I think you would run into a significant problem making a Chad movie because he talks in one word sentences the entire time and, you know, has no reaction to anything. Right. Uh, and so so many of these so, so many of the reasons why a lot of these movies failed is because they were good for sketches. Like they were good for mm-hmm. like a four or five minute sketch that would air on TV and like one and done and be good. Uh, they're a lot tougher to sustain over like a 90 minute runtime and like tell an actual story with. Right. Uh, and the best SNL movies like Blues Brothers, Wayne's World or MacGruber basically take like the character from the sketch and then just create like an entirely different like thing. Like and that's yeah. what MacGruber does, I think. So to segue back into MacGruber, uh, what was great about this movie is that it's not just an adaptation of the sketch MacGruber. They do do that at, at one point towards the end. They basically do the sketch like where they, they do, do like this, three, yeah. three seconds MacGruber, like that kind of thing. But this is like just a huge, bombastic parody of 80s action movies uh, and a dash of MacGyver, which is what MacGruber like was the entire time. It was just like a MacGyver parody. Right. And that's an absolute blast. And that's something that I didn't really remember. But wait, before we get more into MacGruber, is there stuff that uh, we have to tell everybody, Mike, before we do the whole thing? Uh, this might be the longest time we've ever made it in, in into this without telling everybody this. Uh, yeah. And, uh, it's a very special episode, so it'll be th- this whole pr- preamble to let everybody know that uh, all the music and theme songs you're going to hear tonight <laughs> yeah. are produced by, <laughs> created by our uh, music supervisor, Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own podcast themes uh, at Kyle's podcast themes at gmail.com. Uh, our logo was designed by Jacob Honeycutt, uh, who you can find on Twitter at Jacob Honey. Uh, and we want to give a shout out to Danielle Clark who's our uh, social media advisor who has her own podcast called No More Late Fees. And uh, that's it. Let's let's get into the trailer for MacGruber. Loaded up. He's the world's deadliest villain. Move a bit to your left, please. Sir. He's cunning. Hang that in the foyer. And smart. Straight flush. Damn it! I'm going to turn Washington, D.C. into a pile of ash. He is Dieter von Kampf. And until now, he's been unstoppable. What the world needs is a hero. He was former Navy SEAL, Army Ranger, and Green Beret. Served six stores in Desert Storm, four in Bosnia. He's so top secret, we don't even know his first name. Hello, MacGruber. Now, MacGruber's putting together his team. I'm putting together a team. It's filled with American heroes with over 100 years of combined combat experience and a whole lot of brotherhood. Vicky St. Elmo. Hi. The master of disguise. Don't worry, this is just like Nicaragua. I got shot in Nicaragua. This is nothing like Nicaragua. Lieutenant Dixon Piper, the human shield. Piper! Get behind him! How did you know I was wearing a bulletproof vest? You're wearing a bulletproof vest? Awesome. Dick, 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 dick. On May 21st. I'm a virgin. Not for long. MacGruber and his team will rid the world of cunt once and for all. Your companion's a very beautiful young woman. Thank you. Hope you enjoy being date raped, ma'am. This is my daughter. Ah, shit! Get ready. Okay, don't worry, we got your back. We're only seven blocks away, so if anything goes down... Seven blocks? Okay, you got me, about 20 blocks. For the best action. Just do exactly as I say. 
I mean comedy. My teammates are getting shot. They're alive. Thank you. Uh, no, I mean action. I mean action comedy of the decade. If Ribbon Throats gets that warhead back, I'll suck as many dicks as I uh, rip as many throats as I have to. Let's move. You can defuse it, right? Are you kidding me? Look at all this crap. It's like a million wires in here. More like a three-wire guy. McGruber, coming to save the world May 21st. I just took an upper decker in the master bathroom. Upper decker? Yes, where you take a shit in the water tank and not in the bowl. You look great. All right, that was the trailer for McGruber, Mike's number one favorite movie of all time. Uh, <laughs> that's just a thing I want to create about you, Mike. It's just sure. a fact that will exist now. It's definitely not an incorrect fact. Uh, okay. It's right. just it's not a correct fact. Uh, you know, it's, it's in the it's in the gray area. Um, yeah. But it, but it is a movie I've seen many, many times. The, maybe the most times I saw it. Was it on? I think it was on your uh, that tweet you had going around today with the five movies you for sure have seen more than 10 times yes which 10 times seems like a pretty lowball number amount of movies <laughs> unless we're just weird i don't under, i don't i don't yeah, get that is I, that I for think, normies i think plenty of people have a movie they've seen a million times like more than 10 times uh you know like if i talk to like my girlfriend she would probably say like yeah dirty dancing uh legally blonde 50 first dates like all that all that kind of stuff because yeah. uh, a lot of people just have movies they like put put on when they're going to sleep or that kind of thing like That's hey, true, comfort yeah. food that uh, all that kind of stuff but my five were uh that i know for sure have definitely seen over 10 times uh jaws back to the future uh wet hot american summer mcgruber and i think my other one scott pilgrim was my other one right uh and those were in there actually i was uh i found out recently that uh and i, I know this because i follow justin liberty on twitter that uh letterbox just added a a feature where you can sort your diary by view count Yes. Um, so you can like kind of see like what movies you've watched the most since you started the letterbox. I was kind of disappointed by mine. My, my, my most viewed movie over the last uh, five years uh, was Captain America Civil War at uh, <laughs> at uh, six times. But the reason is because like, you know, we go through like a Marvel marathon once in a while, you know, like, <laughs> it yeah. just kind of comes up. Uh, but like weirdly, because I think I saw it twice in theaters and it was like right after I started a letterbox. And I think that's why it like. Just gets bumped up a little bit higher than the rest of my movies. Yeah, I'm not um, going to retroactively. But yeah, Captain Civil War over the last few years has been my most viewed movie. I, I, yeah, I didn't look at that. I should check out what mine is. It's probably The Mummy. Um, it's got to be The Mummy. There's no it's chance. It's got to be The, the Mummy. mummy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also don't log a lot of rewatches. Um, so we'll see. It might be, might be skewed. But yeah, tell me. So we were talking about before we, we uh, took a little break there for the trailer about MacGruber. And the kind of structure of how it is basically nothing <laughs> like the sketch at all, except for the last two minutes when they do the sketch. But I think that yeah, that really makes this a lot more fun. I remember I had never seen this and I think I had written it off like most people, I guess, of <laughs> just yeah. like whatever. It's McGruber who gives a shit. And then I think after a beer fest or something, uh, probably in, in Poughkeepsie, you know, where, where you used to live and yep. uh, you just uh, ambushed me with McGruber and we just put it on. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was, um, uh, it was you and a few of our other friends. And uh, yeah, we were at uh, I remember specifically, I think it was 2017. Wow. Uh, and uh, I was going through my letterbox to see how many times I've watched McGruber over the last few years. Uh, and I, I, it looks like it's three since I started a letterbox. Because my, my heyday of watching McGruber was really like 2010, 2011. That's when I like got, yeah. saw it in theaters and then got the DVD shortly after. And, you know, just watched it a million times and showed it to all my friends and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, we watched it in 2017 after the Hudson River Craft Beer Festival. Yes. Uh, which was in Beacon, uh, New York. And then we went Got back it. to my place and, you know, we were all pretty drunk, but we watched a few movies. I think we watched Everybody Wants Some. Yeah. Uh, and then I think I put on MacGruber. 
And then I think it was Blazing Saddles. And then we I fell think asleep. It was, yes, that was correct. <laughs> uh, um, but yes, yeah. That, so that was your first time ever seeing Gruber, right, Mike? Yeah, yeah. I had never seen it. Uh, and I just was like not interested, uh, not like against it, but like I would never have gone out of my way to watch it. Yeah. Um, and I think I was probably had a blast. You know, it's, it's a fun movie and there's nothing you can say uh, about that. Right. Like it just absolutely is fun. And I don't think I quite realized what a what a goof on 80s and 90s action movies that I love um, that this movie is. Yes. So this time around, I had a, a whole new appreciation for MacGruber where I was like, oh, wait a second. This movie is actually genius, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it also like perfectly recreates the look of those movies, too, uh, yeah. which I really love. Like it has that opening sequence uh, where it's like, you know, Val Kilmer and his goons taking out these guys and stealing the X-5 missile. And it just looks like it came straight out of maybe like Commando or something like that. Like it feels like it is like just directly ripped from those movies. And this movie was shot by uh, Brandon Trost, uh, who shot a couple of other like movies like in the uh, same vein. He shot like the na- uh, Neighbors 2 uh, I think he shot, he shot both neighbors movies and he shot uh, like crank two and uh, ghost rider two. <laughs> and wow. A couple of other of those movies, but he shot a lot of comedies with Seth Rogen. Um, like what? the interview I think was also shot by Brandon Trost. And this is a cinematographer. I think who really understands comedic language, but also finding a way to make comedy cinematic um, because those, yeah. those Seth Rogen comedies, especially I think are like really interestingly shot and edited. And like, uh, this is the end is one of my favorite movies the last few years too. also, also shot that movie. Uh, and you know, th- those movies have like a distinctive look to them that I think most comedies don't. And yeah, MacGruber this, uh, is one of his first movies or not one of his first, but it's uh, one of his breakout films, let's say. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Uh, yeah, definitely. Especially compared to, uh, like the Judd Apatow era of movies of comedies where it's like, OK, it's just sort of a medium shot with three dudes. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, just, it's kind of static. Not a whole lot cinematically happens. Whereas, you know, this movie has stuff happening. Right. I guess, is, is a way to put it. Yeah. Uh, I, and it almost kind of starts. You could almost expect it to start with like, oh, man, what is that thing that at the end of like Rocky four or whatever or Rocky Rocky. three like you want to ring the bell Apollo or whatever is no that- no no uh, uh, Rambo where it's like the, the funds for this movie will go to the Mujahideen freedom fighter <laughs> like you know it could have started with that like it almost has that feel yes uh, with that that like big assault on the 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 uh, the missile yes stuff yeah and just the inclusion and I talk, absolutely forgot about this having like the first team that MacGruber gets be all WWE superstars yep and then they just all die fucking <laughs> hilarious <laughs> yeah it's the, the great Kali, it's the big show uh, I think uh, a couple other a couple of people Chris Jericho is also in there yeah and, you know people like people who are like really huge at the time uh, and yeah it's it is one of the best it's one of the it, it's a gag that was so good it was stolen for Deadpool 2 uh, a few years later right. uh, Deadpool 2 does the exact same thing where they assemble like the elite group of uh, mercenaries and killers and then they all die immediately as soon as the mission starts uh, yeah. <laughs> which was great uh, but mcgruber did it better <laughs> mcgruber did just that the whole van full of them chanting fuck the brass fuck yeah. the brass is the <laughs> best thing and yes. then uh mcgruber bagging, bragging about the 175 pounds of homemade plastic explosive and then the thing blows yeah, up in the that, background that i built with my own two hands <laughs> like it's it's yeah. perfect comedic timing and also i mean will forte's performance in this movie uh, is a a powerhouse comedic performance uh, yeah. from who I, somebody who I think is what Will Forte is one of those actors who I will laugh like just as soon as he walks on screen like he just has that like perfect comedic presence uh, and he was so good on SNL back in the day uh, so great in Gruber so great on The Last Man on Earth uh, which is uh, a really terrific show that uh, not enough people watched uh, and was canceled <laughs> before its time it ended on a cliffhanger. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was very upsetting. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, but yeah, he's always great. And, you know, he does a lot of great voice work, too. Like he's the voice of Abe Lincoln and Clone High um, right. and all that kind of stuff. He also reprised that role in the Lego movie uh, where he has the uh, the one line, which I think is hilarious, where he's, like everybody's fighting and Abe Lincoln is like a house divided against itself. We'll be better than this. And he flies away in his rocket chair. <laughs> <laughs> so good. That's the best. Uh, but, but yeah, so Will Forte as McGruber, like, I mean, that, in that scene where he's just like running around, like, guys, Doug, <laughs> Doug, no, 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 no. Yeah, him <laughs> saying no is fucking hilarious. <sighs> Look, Mac, are you sure you won't change your mind about letting Piper here join you? He'd make a hell of an asset. Uh, I would love to but the van's pretty full. You see, it's filled with American heroes with over a hundred years of combined combat experience and a whole lot of brotherhood. And no, you can't ride in the trunk, bud. Cause the trunk is filled with over 75 pounds of homemade C4 explosive that I personally packed in there with my own two. Comic-Con once, um, I went to a panel with Seth Meyers. Uh, mm-hmm. I, it was a panel with Seth Meyers on the panel. I didn't go with him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't like in the audience with me. Uh, <laughs> no, it was it was actually like it was um, Jesse David Fox who uh, hosts the podcast. Good one. He like right. once a year at Comic-Con, he does like an interview uh, where he like talks to a different comedian. One year I went and it was Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider, who I mentioned before, who were the head writers of SNL at the time. Uh, and the year after that, I went with Seth uh, with Seth Meyers and uh, they were talking about Seth Meyers and like his whole late night show and him producing documentary now. Uh, and then, you know, kind of doing lightning round questions towards the end. Uh, Jesse David Fox asked him like, what do you think is the funniest thing? And his response was Will Forte screaming. Uh, <laughs> and he yeah. is not wrong. Absolutely correct. <laughs> that tracks, honestly. Yes. And there's a lot of that in McGruber, which is great. Yes. A lot of Will Forte screaming, uh, a lot of him doing ridiculous, filthy things. I mean, one of the other great things about this movie is that is, one of the filthiest movies yeah. uh, raunchy. Of, of the last 10 years. Like it is, yeah, ridiculously raunchy uh, and, you know, a very committed performance. I mean, the, one of my favorite things that like my friends and I would quote all the time, like when we were at school together, but only when we were like out of earshot from other people um, is like the monologue that he has where he explains uh, his backstory with Dieter von Kunth. Uh, yeah. where, he's, <laughs> where he's like, we were so in love. You know, she was she was carrying his baby at the time. I asked her to terminate it, obviously, so we could start fresh. And she agreed. I just I just don't know why he hates me. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, just the running joke of Val Kilmer, which one Val Kilmer. Uh, yes. And the, the running joke that his name is Kunth is just yes. chef's, chef's kiss. And he's going to go pound some cunt. Yes. Is the best thing ever. Time Hearing to go Powers pound some Booth. Yes. Powers Booth. Yeah, himself. Power, Powers Booth, I think, gives like a, a certain gravitas to the movie, too, which uh, <laughs> is incredible. And I wish he like, I wish he was still alive, partially because he's a great actor. He should be in a lot of things. And also because he should really be in the MacGruber TV show, which is happening on Peacock. Yeah, it's um, like one step to the side from Michael Ironside. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, and <laughs> what's, what's great about this movie and his performance in this movie is, I mean, he is so, he's such a perfect straight man in this movie and like the way he reacts to McGruber is great. Uh, and you know, that, one of those quotes that I also say all the time is that when they go like, the game has changed, but the players are the same. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which feels like it definitely could have been dialogue in Commando or something like that. Uh, but then a couple of years later, uh, Powers Booth also plays like a high power general in The Avengers. Uh, right. who, who is like unnamed in that movie. And it's like a shadowy figure. And I always imagined that he was playing the same character from a group. I like he's on like the council or whatever. Right? Yes. I yeah. Think. He's on the World Security Council. He actually popped up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a couple of years later, wow. uh, too, as the same character. And they gave him like a more a backstory and stuff. Uh, and I was very excited about that. And it ended up being really boring. It's just shield, uh, which was saying like they should have just left him in the shadows. They left him mysterious. Like, oh, Powers Booth is out there and he's being creepy uh, just as himself. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's so good in this movie. Uh, Will Forte, like we said, and uh, Kristen Wiig. I think I when I watched this again this past weekend, uh, I feel like I, I gained a new appreciation for Kristen Wiig in this movie and like her performance, um, because there's some really great stuff that she's doing in this movie, especially in that scene where um, like she's wearing the earpiece in the coffee shop and she's like, yeah. you know, down on the ground and like screaming and yelling and all that stuff. And even just before that, when she has to uh, take the tip out of the jar uh, yeah. <laughs> after uh, McGruber tells her not to tip the guy after she already did. And she's like, I'm sorry. And like just the, the strained look on her face while she's like doing it. Uh, it's perfect. It's so good. Yeah, I really, really love Kristen Wiig in this. Uh, just like her just being outright abused by everybody. Like like McGruber dressing her up to always be him. Yes. <laughs> she's like, so you'll be the one that gets shot uh, kind of thing. Oh, it's fucking wonderful. And then their sex scene is absolutely. There's a couple moments in that where she like turns her face away from the camera and I'm like, she must be laughing, right? Yes. She has to. <laughs> she must be hiding. A right. Laugh. Yeah. Cause the sex scene is just Will Forte going. Eh, 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 eh. <laughs> um, yeah. And just speaking to the, the, what we talked about earlier, like the, the send up of the eighties and nineties mega action movies, like the editing in this yes. is, is genius. Uh, the, the smash cut between the like slow, uh, you know what? I forget what song it is that plays before every uh sex scene. Yeah, it's. Them, right? I, I actually don't know the name of it, but I can tell you it goes like, "Baby, I'm broken <laughs> wings, yeah, <laughs> fly away. Like that like that's the tune of it for sure. Uh, yeah, and then yeah, just like cuts, you know, and and it's like that like Top Gun sex scene, right? It's like the yeah. scene of Top Gun where they're having sex, and it's like this beautiful artistic moment, and then it just cuts from that, and it just Will Forte going. Eh, eh. <laughs> I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot. Like it's <laughs> so twice. Good. And then it happens with Maya Rudolph, who plays the ghost of his wife. Yes. Uh, which is wonderful. <laughs> and then he slams his girlfriend's, his wife's ghost or whatever. I forget what he yeah. says to, uh, uh, I, I, I porch my, my dead wife's ghost. We can talk about it later. I believe is the, <laughs> is the quotes. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, and there was actually speaking a good one before a uh, good one, a podcast about jokes has a couple of episodes with Will Forte on them. And, uh, there's a whole episode, like a full hour dedicated to just breaking down the sex scene of MacGruber. Wow. Uh, highly recommend people listen to that uh, if they're fans of MacGruber and uh, haven't checked that out because it is really great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they're, they're all great. Everyone's great in this movie, even like Ryan Philippe, who I, I think is a, a solid straight man in the movie. And I think gets a really funny moment towards the end that like pays off uh, a thing from before the, uh, the moment where MacGruber uh, strips down, like becomes naked oh, yeah. and like sticks, sticks celery up his ass to uh, distract the guards in the yeah. compounds, uh, which actually works. And, <laughs> and then later, Ryan Philippe does it. I think he like, you know, in, in the context of the movie, like he couldn't take his shirt off because he's handcuffed. But I think if he had like taken the shirt off and like, gone the extra mile to like be fully nude like Will Forte was, I think yeah. it would have sold it a little bit better. <laughs> but it's but it is a great payoff moment. 
Absolutely. They like share a nod, like they look at each other yeah. like a moment <laughs> of like recognition and respect. Um, wonderful. Yeah. And yes. that's like the one image that I think I took away from that drunk viewing at 2 a.m. <laughs> uh, was the, the celery thing. Yeah. <laughs> Will Forte holding, covering his balls yeah. uh, and then shimmying with the uh, celery <laughs> sticking that, out. That like waddle head. that he does with like yeah. <laughs> the celery sticking out. Uh, and then like Ryan Philippe shoots the two guys and is like, ah, see that, that kind of worked. Uh, and then like the yeah. next scene, like he takes a bite out of the celery. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Kristen Wiggs like ew and like, I watched it he turns to Ryan and he's like I didn't watch it like he just kind of mouths that it's one of my favorite like small moments in the movie it's so good. yeah and I love let's let's have a throwback to uh to uh to Crimson Tide because Ryan Philippe is in Crimson Tide remember he's the guy with no, right. no lines he's got the the fish tank on the submarine yes yeah fish tank guy I forgot about yeah. that I mean really I, I think I've only seen him in MacGruber Crimson Tide and like Crash I think he's in Crash right is that right Ding. Cruel Intentions also right oh, with Sarah wait, Yes, yeah, you're right. He is in Cruel Intentions. Yeah, yeah which I which I had a bunch seen. of other stuff. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, he's in, he's in Gosford Park. I'm looking at his filmography now. Gosford Park, Flags of Our Fathers. Yeah, he's he's in a few things, but I feel like he's he was just always one of those actors that was just like you kind of forget he's in the movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, he was the the real Jai Courtney motherfucker of the <laughs> mid 2000s. <laughs> yeah, he was like totally fine. He was in movies for a while. Yeah. Uh, and then he was in MacGruber and I stopped seeing him in movies. <laughs> <laughs> really, really, he peaked is what you're saying. Exactly. Hopefully he's fine. I, I, I assume he's fine. Yes, I, uh, I believe he is fine. I mean, he's, he, it looks like he's done some stuff since then. He's on uh, the show Big Sky now, uh, which actually oh. takes place in Montana. Uh, and funny story about Big Sky. That's a, that's a show about like, you know, uh, a murder investigation or whatever. And uh, my mom turned it on thinking it was just going to be a nice show about Montana. And she was like, oh, Mike <laughs> lives in Montana. Uh, this is going to be like, uh, you know, I'll get to see some of the scenery. This will be great. And it opens like this grisly murder. <laughs> and she was not happy about it. Uh, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it looks like he's in the main cast of Big Sky now. I think he's going to be in the MacGruber TV show. Uh, although it doesn't say anything about that on his uh, on his Wikipedia page. But yeah, and to mention that there is going to be a MacGruber TV show on Peacock, which they've been talking about for a while. And like for years after the movie, they were talking about doing a potential MacGruber 2. Right. Right. And they were, they were talking about doing that. And uh, it just wasn't coming together because, you know, MacGruber didn't make any money and it wasn't like really clear that they were going to like be able to, you know, actually get this thing off the ground. They were talking about doing maybe a Kickstarter for it uh, and all that stuff, which I guess is, it's kind of weird. Like, I guess they have the rights to MacGruber, even though it was an SNL sketch originally. Like, I'm not really sure exactly how that all works, but they were able yeah. to make it happen on Peacock, which is an NBC thing. So it's all kind of in the family, I guess. Um, but yeah, it ended up evolving from a MacGruber 2 film into a TV show. Uh, that they were started shopping around, ended up on Peacock, and now it's going to be an eight-episode streaming series. So you know, whatever whatever form it takes for me to get more MacGruber, I'm game. <laughs> you You're <know>? in. <laughs> uh, but I, but I also I also think you know part of the reason MacGruber has stayed with me so long is because it's much easier to rewatch a movie than it is to rewatch a TV show. You know. Oh yeah, for sure. And is is it going to be a uh, continuation? I assume. Or, oh yes. Or, yeah. OK. Uh, yeah, I can I can look it up the exact plots. Uh, it does not look like it's on Wikipedia, but they were talking. There was a recent thing where they talked about a few of the cast that was added to the Gruber show, uh, which will have Will Forte, Kristen Wiig and stuff. But it's also going to have uh, Sam Elliott's. What? Playing MacGruber's dad, which is amazing. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne is going to play a military general. I think he's going to be taking over Powers Booth's uh, kind of place in the right. in the show. And uh, Mickey Rourke is playing the villain. Uh, what and, the fuck? Yeah, let me find the uh, there's like a Hollywood Reporter article. Uh, I'm looking it up as we speak right now and I'm vamping. If you want to have any other uh, <laughs> things I, you want to say about while I'm while I'm doing this, Mike, go. For yeah, it. I, th I think that's 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 wild. And I and I love we've gotten to the point 
Uh, you know, we 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 kind of like uh, best of both worlds, worst of both worlds. I don't know where it's like there is so much original streaming content that it's impossible to keep tabs on everything. Yeah, but that means shit like MacGruber <laughs> ten years later, eight episode thing can get a chance, right? They're, they can just make that happen because there's it's everything is so niche now. Yes, uh, so that's exciting. But what, did you find details? Tell I did find the, details. So yes. Uh, by the way, Chris made Ryan Felipe both back. For the show. Nice. Uh, and then, okay, in the series, co-written and executive produced by Forte, uh, after rotting in prison for over a decade, uh, America's ultimate hero and uber patriot MacGruber is finally released. His wow. mission? To take down a mysterious villain from his past, Brigadier Commander Enos Queeth. Uh, with, with, the, <laughs> with the entire world in the crosshairs, MacGruber must reassemble his old team, Vicky St. Elmo and Dixon Piper, in order to defeat the forces of evil. Wow. So there you go. And yeah, Sam Elliott's playing MacGruber's father, who's uh, drifted apart from MacGruber over the years, but he needs his sage guidance uh, to succeed. Uh, so there you go. That is what's going to be on deck for MacGruber, the Peacock series. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it is one of those things that can only really exist because of the, the landscape of streaming right now, where there's a million different streaming services. Every one of them is fighting to create as much stuff as possible. And yeah, that's why we get something like a MacGruber sequel series. It's weird. Uh, I mean, there was you know Netflix did a Wet Hot American Summer sequel series a couple years ago, too, which was great. I loved that. And they did a prequel also, uh, or the prequel was the first one. There was a Wet Hot American Summer first day of camp and then Wet Hot American Summer 10 years later. Both were great. Um, but Wet Hot American Summer, also a movie I've seen a million times and could use for a birthday bylaw at some point in the, in the future. Yeah. Uh, but and I really liked the shows and I think I've watched First Day of Camp twice through. But like I've watched What Happened to Summer, the movie, 20 to 50 times. Uh, you know, I've seen it a yeah. million times. And so anytime I reference What Happened to Summer, it's very rare that I reference something from the TV show. Like it's always from the movie. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to the movie TV show. Like I, I can't wait for it. I think it's gonna be great. Uh, but I'm also like I, I am I'm knowing going into it that like I feel like it's not going to tap into the same like obsession for me as like the movie did for a long time. Yeah, that, that it seems like that'll be something like uh, this is this is a fun little nostalgia. Like, remember, you know, kind of thing, as opposed to this is pure. I mean, it might be pure genius, but, you know, yeah. you won't have that kind of immediate obsession reaction. Yeah. I, I think it will be pure genius, but I won't be obsessed with it like I was the movie is what I'm saying. Right, because, exactly. Because it's harder to rewatch a TV show. It's like it's harder to like, you know, like come to your friend's house and be like, hey, watch this entire show with me right now, you know, <laughs> which <laughs> granted only eight episodes probably done in like four hours, but still that's four hours. MacGruber's an hour and a half. It's a tight 90. I think you've specifically done that to me multiple times. You're <laughs> like, Hey, we're watching American Vandal. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, this right, is true. Sure. I did. I did do that to you with American Vandal and the good place, I think. And the good place. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you are correct. But like, <laughs> but, but you're like trapped, you know, th those are nights <laughs> when you're like, those were nights when you were like at my house, you know, sleeping there so we can go to a thing the next day or something. Uh, so you're like, oh, well, we're trapped. Like, what are we going to do? We might as well watch an entire show. Uh, yeah, why not? Let's watch How Zoo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a movie, Mike. And it's the best movie. But that is a movie that I did make you watch at some point. But yeah, MacGruber, man, it rules. Uh, other other stuff in the movie. I do. I, I can't uh, talk about this movie without mentioning my favorite bit in the movie, which is the uh, the KFBR 392 ah, yes. uh, license plate bits, uh, which is a, a, no, a number that I can say from memory uh, at this point. It's like, you know, I think a lot of people would be like, oh, what was the license plate? Yes. Remember MacGruber? No, I got it. It's right there. <laughs> You have the notepad like he does in MacGruber exactly. in the movie. Yes. Uh, I've, I've thought about like just being at work and like just like taking my notepad and scribbling in it as 
as if it's like KF, just doing the exact same drawings from MacGruber for KFBR 392 and like seeing if anybody finds it one day and be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. And I love that. Like, it's sort of like, you know, the notebooks in seven or the uh, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy kind yep. of thing. Yeah. So, uh, so good from The Shining. Um, and yeah, I didn't really remember that. I mean, I remembered that that was a thing, but like, I don't rem- I didn't remember the impetus for that, where it's just the guy that like yells at him out the window. Uh, or whatever in his car. Yeah. And he's like, got to remember, you can't be R392 kind of thing. Uh, and the payoff to that, where he just finds it outside the cemetery. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah, he finds it outside the cemetery and like starts keying the guy's car and smashing his windows while he's on the phone with Powers Booth. Uh, and yeah. then one of my favorite comedic moments in the movie is when he's like, he's like doing this and he's having this conversation with Powers Booth while he's smashing the car. Uh, and he realizes that Cunt's going to destroy, the, like blow up the State of the Union address. And he's like, right. sees it in a newspaper in the car and he's like, oh my God. And then like the next shot is him like running from the car and it's like, it's like, uh, Colonel, Colonel, we got to deal with the State of the Union address. And you think. Then McGruber's like getting in his car to go drive away. And instead, he's opening his trunk to get gasoline <laughs> to, <laughs> to pour on the KFBR 392 car. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to continue the conversation with the colonel while he's doing this. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so, so good. And then like when the guy shows up, it's like, hey, what you do to my car? Fuck you, dickhead. And he runs away. <laughs> Yeah, I also do want to highlight Val Kilmer also, uh, you know, maybe t- towards the end here, because he is just mwah, chef's kiss. Perfect. As somebody that was in some of these movies. Yes, um, it's great uh, for him as the villain. Just hamming it up. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And this might be like the last great uh, Val Kilmer performance, too. Like it's yeah. one of those like he hasn't really been in a ton of movies uh, since MacGruber. Uh, he was kind of like in the middle of a semi like mini comeback, I guess, in the that period. Like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was five years earlier. Uh, right. Right. So like MacGruber was 2010 and then he really hasn't been in much. Like he popped up in the snowman, I think a couple of years ago. And he is, he is going to be in Top Gun too, from what I hear. But uh, I, I'm guessing it's a pretty small role. Like this might be like the last great Val Kilmer role we get. Yeah. I think he has some like medical thing going on also. Right. Yeah. Or like I, I want to say, did he have a stroke or something? Like it was. I don't. Yeah. I don't really remember what yeah, it is. I, I don't uh, want to say like specifically what it was just in case I get it wrong. But uh, yeah, let me see. Oh, uh, in January 2015, hospitalized. Uh, uh, it looks like he had cancer. He had throat cancer. Ah, okay. uh, that's what it was. Okay. So, and, but it. in 2020, he's been cancer free for four years. Uh, nice. Although he has a feeding tube to feed himself because he can no longer eat. And that's very sad. Wow. Um, but there you go. But yeah, Val Kilmer, I think, you know, he's somebody who I really enjoyed watching in a lot of movies. I mean, especially uh, like in the eighties, he was in top secret. Uh, right. And that's also a movie that I watched pretty obsessively, not as obsessively as MacGruber, but like when I first saw top secret, like that was years after I saw Airplane. Have you seen Top Secret, mm-hmm. Mike? No, but I know what you're talking about. Okay, I'm, I'm writing yeah. down Top Secret right now for a future Mike Makes Mike Watch because it's so good. It is a, a Zucker Abraham Zucker movie. Uh, so it's the same team behind Airplane. I believe it's the movie they made after Airplane. They might have made one more in between these two. Um, um, I forget. There's just This just came up on an episode of Screen Drafts. Did on it really? The, uh, t- TV continuations uh, Screen Drafts. Okay, because uh, Police Squad led into Naked Gun, right? Yeah. So this this whole conversation came up uh, and I forget what the order was. They talked about it. OK. Yes. yes. I've never seen that. I've never seen. Yeah. To- I've never seen Top Secret. T- Top Secret is this uh, incredible spoof movie of uh, it's a parody of both uh, spy thrillers and like 50s surfing movies. Uh, and, it <laughs> okay. com- and Val Kilmer is like the lead character. He's like this sort of Elvis Presley figure who is also like working as a spy for the U.S. government. Uh, and it is so ridiculously funny. I honestly think it might be better than Airplane. Um, wow. And, you know, Airplane's a movie that's like been ingrained in me since I was a kid. I first saw that when I was like 10 and became obsessed with that. Another movie that I watched over and over again. Uh, yeah. But Top Secret I saw when I was in college. And uh, it was one of those things like I saw. I watched it on my own the first time I watched it. 
uh, just like, oh, I think it hit Netflix like one day. And I was like, I had heard good yeah. things about this. I, the reason I watched it actually is because Weird Al Yankovic cites it as his favorite movie. And I was like, well, if Weird Al loves it, it's got to be good. It's uh, for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I watched Top Secrets and it was like a revelatory experience. I, I couldn't believe how hard I was laughing just sitting alone. So like, I think later that night um, my, when my roommates showed up, I was like, guys, we got to watch Top Secret. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was like one of those things where like, we got, I got to show this to people right now. And we did, and we loved it. And I've showed it to a few people since then. But I, I haven't wa- rewatched it as obsessively as like MacGruber when, when it first kind of became a thing or 2010, 2011. Uh, but mm-hmm. Top Secret is a movie that I really, really love. Uh, and Val Kilmer, incredible in it. Yeah. Did they also make Hot Shot, Hot Shots? Whatever. Uh, uh, they might have been. So, well, the weird thing about the the Zucker, Abraham Zucker crew is that uh, they, they made a couple of movies together and then they all went their separate ways. Uh, uh, right. So they had a let's see. Like, they had Kentucky Fried movie in 77, Airplane in 80, Top Secret in 84. Uh, Ruthless People was in 86. And that, I think, was their last movie together. And then it's The Naked Gun is David Zucker. And then Jerry Zucker does Ghost. Uh, and then, yeah, which we talked about when we talked about ghosts, I think on this uh, podcast, but David Zucker like kind of continues with the spoof movies. He does naked guns and he does a scary movie three and four, uh, and that kind of thing. I think he does basketball also. Um, and then I think Jim Abrahams, what does he do? Like one of them has to be doing. Cause there's a lot of the like mafia, I think is one of those movies. Like a lot of those just kind of genre spoofs. Jim Abrahams did hot shots. There, there you Got go. Okay. Yeah, he he did hot shots. There you go. And then there was also Johnny Dangerously like in there, which was not them, but kind of in the same vein as right. Them, which Weird Al did the theme song for. It's a delight. But uh, anyway, Top Secret is good. MacGruber is good. Uh, <laughs> we're talking. Kilmer's dick gets blown off in the explosion. What a sh- what a what a comeuppance. <laughs> yes, the entire movie MacGruber is like t- giving him the threat of like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to cut off your dick and feed it to you. Uh, and at the very end of the movie, he can't do that because his dick got blown off. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he, like, no, uh, you're fucking kidding me. And he's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. and then, you know, Groover just like kicks him off the cliff like, you know, Piper. And he grabs the machine gun and just starts shooting him while he's falling down. It's the terrible green screen effect. Yeah. Uh, and then Groover like just pisses on his corpse uh, as he like falls down there and like throws a grenade and blows the whole thing up. It's great. And he yells, fuck you, dude. And then that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, you hear MacGruber, and then that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. And then the end credits have a fun little montage of uh, <laughs> MacGruber shitting on Kunt's uh, body. Yep. And then uh, the, the wedding shenanigans going on. Yes. Sometimes. Yes. The wacky things that happen at the wedding, which is why when I hear that the sequel series, uh, MacGruber's been in jail for 10 years, I'm guessing it's like ramifications for like the stuff that happened at this wedding. <laughs> yeah. That makes that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I love like there you see like, the ghosts of all the uh, the wrestlers who were part of the original <laughs> yeah. team that he assembled and all that stuff. The soundtrack to this movie is also really fun. It's like a perfect 80s soundtrack. And there's uh, I always forget the name of the song. I think it's called Running with the Devil, uh, but it's not like the other song Running with the Devil. You know, they're like running the with Van the Halen. Yeah, yeah, not the Van Halen song, but it's like yeah, the song where he's recruiting the team. Uh, and it's like the perfect team recruitment song. And it's like you running with the devil. It's touch and go. And they're all like just yeah. like clasping their hands together and being like, yeah. And they're like nodding like, all right, here we go. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's perfect. Um, and I love the the uh, the running bit with uh, Groover in the car radio, taking yep. it with him so it doesn't get stolen and then it gets smashed. Uh, but just the the continuous thing where he does like a cool badass line and he gets in the car and it's like heavy hard rock, and then he puts on the soft rock and it's like fucking Steely Dan or, uh, <laughs> or Kenny Rosanna, Loggins. Rosanna. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. Oh, uh, it's so good. So good. Uh, I, and then I, the end credits, I think, is Michael Bolton, right? Which I guess makes. Uh, I think it might be. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Which does make sense. That he has like the Lonely Island uh, association with uh, right. Jack Sparrow and with uh, he's in Pop Star and also uh, Michael Bolton's Big Sexy Valentine's Day special, which I also made you watch at one point. Yeah, you did. Uh, great special. It's really good. Um, yeah. Uh, but I do think my favorite my favorite uh, song moment in the movie, my favorite needle drop uh, is when he first arrives at uh, the party that Cunt is throwing uh, yeah. and Take Me Home Tonight starts playing. Ryan Fleep's like, hey, MacGruber, I think we're supposed to be keeping a pretty low profile. Uh, and then you know, MacGruber's like, uh, crystal clear, amigo. And he like opens the car door and he's in like the like the white suit and the sunglasses and he's, take, <laughs> he's holding his car radio uh, and you just like, take me home tonight. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> Ryan believes like Great. I think we have different ideas of what low profile means like oh uh, you think like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I do think there's very few images in film that are funnier than MacGruber walking into that party and flipping the guy off who tries to take his car radio <laughs> yeah as he walks past him wonderful it's so good I've used that gif so many times it's a it's a perfect <laughs> gif it's great um it's a yeah there's all of that stuff I mean we, we can go on all day about all the all the great sequences in MacGruber and I'm happy to do that, Mike. Do you have any other specific things you wanted to get into with this movie? No, I feel like we kind of we kind of covered everything. We hit all the greatest hits. Uh, we've established that it's a wonderful movie. I'm glad that you exposed me to it twice now. <laughs> I can officially say, yes, I like McGruber. First time, you know, a little touchy, a little, a little drunk, late sleepy boy sure. times. Wasn't really sure. Didn't really retain a whole lot. Uh, but this time, for sure, really fun. Uh, send up a lot of movie of a lot of movies that I like. Um, so, so it was a good time. Nice. Do you have any like favorite lines, uh, in the movie? I feel like it's reverting to me hosting the podcast again. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I really like, uh, the, the whole party sequence where he shows up and he's like, I just took an upper decker in the, uh, in the master bathroom. <laughs> Wonderful. He's just disgusting. Um, and the, the bit when he decides to join the team and he bursts in and he's like, I'm in and it's the cafeteria. <laughs> he has to do it. He has to do it again. That's great. And I think I think one of the funniest, the, one of the moments that gets the hugest laugh out of me uh, is the like recurring throat ripping scene when they're like infiltrating cunts yep. headquarters at the end, of the, towards the end of the movie in the final act. And he's like, I don't I, I don't remember the exact situation, but they're in they're in the control room. And he's like, I'll suck as many dicks as I, I mean, I'll rip as many throats as I have to, to do it. Um, it's fucking yes, uh, which is a great. Did, did you hear that? And Brian Field Bay is like, no. Yeah. <laughs> a great okay, payoff cool. to like one of the more famous scenes in the movie where, uh, you know, is <laughs> like on the floor after his entire team has died and he's begging Piper to join his team now after he like spent the entire first 20 minutes just like bashing him uh, the entire yeah. time. It's like, well, I hope you. <laughs> I hope you wish your nose was a dick so you can have sex with my face vagina. Um, but then like in that sequence when he's just like, listen, I, I will do whatever you want. I, I I will suck your fucking dick. I, I, will, I will fuck you. I will get fucked by you. Just I'll fuck something for you. Just point something in the room and I'll fuck it for you. Uh, just hit him shouting. Just tell me what you want me to fuck. Sir, I just. Where's the colonel? You got to help me. They want to kick me off the mission. Well, under the circumstances. Fuck you, dickhead! All right. Wait, 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 I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. What do you want, MacGruber? Join my team. What? Join my new team and tell the colonel I can do this. I can't do that. Okay. Don't make me beg here, because I will do it. I am so sorry. I'm so goddamn sorry. I got freaking out here. I killed him. I killed them all. I'm so fucking stupid. I don't know what I'm doing and everybody hates me. Uh.
I will suck your dick. I will suck your fucking dick. I will do it. Just join my team. I'll suck your dick. You can fuck me or get fucked by me. You can watch me fuck something. Just point something in the room and I'll fuck it for you. Come on, just tell me what you want me to fuck. Jesus Christ, MacGruber. Just tell me what you want me to fuck. <laughs> I think Seth Meyers is onto something. I think Will he is. Forte screaming. Is, uh, comedy golds, comedy golds. Yeah. I, I do think having seen the movie so many times now, like for me, like the big stuff still gets a big laugh out of me, like the stuff that's like pretty more well known about the movie. Um, but it's like the smaller lines that like really like get me that, like now that I watch, like the stuff that I forget is in the movie. Um, yeah. And one of my favorite lines um, that I that I retained like this time around uh, was when they kill Haas Bender and uh, the group was like Haas Bender dead at the age of who the fuck cares. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I liked um, the moment right after that when they find his car and it's got all the cash in the back. And you're like, you know what this means. <laughs> McGruber just doesn't know what to say. Yeah. He's, he's going to go by the codes. He was going to go by the codes. Yeah. Beat you to it. Yeah, I got you there at the same time, maybe even a little bit before you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wonderful. So, good so times. Good. It's basically what we did in the uh, Goldblum Pod episode, <laughs> episode this week when I got to life story at the same time as you, for sure. Um <laughs> Yes, <laughs> exactly. The exact same thing. Yes. Uh, a joke for people who are going to listen to tomorrow's gold. Tomorrow. <laughs> You're welcome. Think about this. Let it marinate. Yes. And tomorrow it'll be funny. Really, really soak in it. Maybe watch MacGruber uh, overnight while you uh, while you wait. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. MacGruber, man. It's great. It's 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 a delight. And I'm glad we finally got to talk about it on this podcast. Uh, yes. Because I mean, not that I haven't talked about MacGruber on this podcast before, because I'm sure that I have. But uh, to get to do it. In an extensive way. I mean, it's it's a great movie. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. To do, to do the long form discussion, same thing like we talked about Twister a bunch, uh, but we finally got to do the episode. Yes. On the hashtag debauchery uh, for my birthday last year. Uh, I'll have to start thinking of mine. I got a couple months before uh, it's my birthday bylaws, but I'll have to start start ruminating on what I can pick. I might. It's got to be the mummy, right? I, I feel uh, we'll like see. all signs point to the mummy, but you could also use it to make me make me watch something I haven't seen. Like this is like. You know, your your whole. But but I think so far, historically, with these two birthday bylaws we've done, it's like just a movie that we like we love. Uh, yeah. And, you know, like the Mike makes Mike watch are more like touch and go. I, I think what I like about this one is that, like, no matter what, you're like forced into watching this movie. <laughs> Whereas you don't Mike, get a choice. Mike, Mike makes Mike watch. There's like the illusion of choice. Right. right yeah. You know, I could throw, I could throw on like a poll on Twitter and like I could have a pretty good idea of what way that poll is going to go. Uh, although. I was proven wrong uh, recently when when I ended up making you watch Justice League, uh, Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League. I Monster. thought people were going to go for Jackie Brown. I, I didn't realize. <laughs> but, sweet uh, summer child. But but the point is, there's like a few options to throw out there when we do a Mike makes Mike watch, uh, whether it's like voting it online or whether we just choose them ourselves. But uh, here it's like, OK, we got one movie to choose. We're making it count. And uh, that's right. I went MacGruber this time around. Uh, so hopefully that MacGruber TV show rules. I can't wait to see it on Peacock. And uh, who knows, maybe the one day there'll be another SNL movie uh, in the in the future. We'll see what happens. I mean, at, th at this point, the comedy landscape is so different and like comedy movies just don't get made all that much anymore uh, for theaters, at least. Sometimes they pop up on streaming services. But uh, yeah, it's just it's very, very different than uh, what it used to be. Uh, so I'm not even sure if the market can sustain an SNL sketch movie. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. When I first heard about uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, I 100% assumed that was an SNL <laughs> it, <laughs> sketch. It has the energy of uh, of an SNL yeah. sketch movie, although a much better version. Like, it has more the energy of, like, Austin Powers kind of thing. Right. Uh, which, yeah, uh, you watched that, right? You watched Barb and Star? No. 
I haven't gotten around to it yet. Okay. So maybe throw that on the list too for your uh, Mike Makes Mike Watch. But uh, yeah, that was just a title and a concept I heard. And I was like, that's an SNL sketch. Like, (laughs) absolutely. It has to be. be. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It has Kristen Wiig and everything. It has a few SNL people. But uh, no, it is not an SNL movie. But yeah, MacGruber, the last SNL movie possibly ever. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Uh, Unless the Chad movie comes out in 2025. Uh, (laughs) The the chat of Staten Island. Yeah, the the chat of Staten Island. (laughs) Uh, I mean, that kind of already is the King of Staten Island. Uh, Yeah, I did like the King of Staten Island. Actually, that was pretty good. Yeah, I I really am struggling to think of like what else could be a movie based on an SNL character. And I'm trying to think like any like cast members who would be like poised to break out with a big movie. It would probably be like Kate McKinnon. Uh, who, yeah. I, who I think has tried a few times like she was in Ghostbusters and she's had a few comedies that she was the star of or like the co-star of or something like she was in Rough Night. And uh, there's the one with Mila Kunis that I'm blanking on the name on. But she definitely had one and they were all like attempts, but they never like none of them really, really like connected. You know, I, th- I think Ghostbusters yeah. might have come closest because it was like, you know, a big franchise movie, but it was still like it wasn't as well liked. And there was a lot of controversy around it and all that stuff, uh, you know, from people who are mad online about girls. But. Uh, even so like that movie didn't really do for Kate McKinnon's career what maybe it would have done back in like the 90s yeah I feel like on sad sadly the closest character would be like Alec Baldwin's Trump like you know what I mean like not that anybody (laughs) wants that and everyone would actively hate it yeah like that's the biggest quote-unquote character that's come out of SNL recently it's been their most their biggest recurring character uh over the past few years yeah. Uh, which is a bummer. You know, they kind of just moved away from doing that, except for Chad and a few other things. Like there are recurring sketches, like recurring like concepts, I guess is kind of more a way to describe it. Like they'll do like a recurring game show sketch. Like they used to do Black yeah. Jeopardy, uh, which was very good. And they had to, a few other things that they would just like re like redo like concept wise. There's the one sketch that they used to do a lot, which they haven't really done in a while of like Kate McKinnon getting abducted by aliens. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which was the first time they did it was incredible because that was like one of those sketches where she's like, I think it was Ryan Gosling and like he just like broke mm-hmm. while they were doing it and i think cecily strong like kate, kate mckinnon's performance was so outlandish and so big uh and it was like a perfect like snl sketch performance like it was just like the perfect distillation of that and then like many snl sketches they did it too many times and it kind of became more forced as it went on um, yeah you know like it, it was always trying to recapture the energy of that first one but that first one had such a lightning in a bottle kind of quality to it uh that it never really recaptured it after that it was still pretty funny like they found fun ways to make it kind of funny but it wasn't as good as that first time uh but that i mean that could be one you know but they also haven't done that one in a while so I don't know. I, I remember there was one thing called Key Party that they were talking about making for a while based on an SNL sketch. Uh, and I remember hearing about that and being like, I don't know what that is. Uh, <laughs> and, then I, and then like I was watching an SNL rerun, you know, one day and it was uh, uh, there was a sketch where like, you know, couples were at a key party, like all swapping husbands and wives and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, is this the sketch that they're basing a movie on? Because this is like a one off sketch. They never did this again. Like, this is really <laughs> weird that this would be like the movie that they would like be basing on. But uh, they also never made that movie. So there you go. <laughs> so who knows? We'll just uh, stand by while we eagerly await the uh, long clamored for uh the californians movie (laughs) (laughs) it's just 90 minutes of them describing roads uh going like Uh, yeah um i always man the californians it was one of those things that was like 
it's it's kind of funny like the longer it goes on but like i was out like they used to do it like every week it was ridiculous how often they did the californians i really just want uh bill Hader as vincent price for 90 minutes oh my god yeah so good i think we (laughs) talked about that in our discussions episode that we recorded last week but are releasing next week um (laughs) but i watched uh house of wax recently and it gave me a new appreciation for bill Hader's uh vincent price impression it's so good Stay, stay tuned for next week for more thoughts on that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, Bill Hader, I think one of the best SNL cast members of all time, too. Uh, you know, yeah. just one of those guys who was just a perfect utility player, played every game show host perfectly. I was rewatching the sketch, which uh, they did when John Mulaney hosted, uh, not the last time, but the time before that, uh, called What's That Name? And uh, mm-hmm. it's Bill Hader came back for that sketch and that he like did the host of this uh, game show. And it is one of the best sketch performances like ever put to film. <laughs> it's wow. it's incredible. Bill Hader is so good on SNL and in various other things. I really enjoyed his appearance on Conan uh, recently. The last week of Conan, by the way. Uh, very sad. Very sad. The comedy's changing, Mike. <laughs> it is. We're, being, we're old now. You're old. You had a birthday. You're yeah, older. We are That's old now. Sad. I'm 28 years old. When I was, uh, I think when I was 13, I, when I was in eighth grade, we had to write a letter to ourselves um, for like write a letter for ourselves, like to our se- to, to our senior in high school. So we would get it four years later. Um, yeah. I did the same thing in fifth grade, too. And it was also senior year in high school. So it's weird that like it was kind of staggered out that way. Um, but I remember my eighth grade letter. I specifically asked uh, my future self, how's Conan O'Brien doing on the Tonight Show? Um, wow. And uh, Conan O'Brien was no longer on the Tonight Show by the time I got that letter. <laughs> uh, and it just crumbled to ash in your hands yeah. and the wind blew it away. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah conan o'brien was no longer on the tonight show he'd been doing conan for like three years at that point <laughs> like, wow super weird but yeah we're all old now mike it's terrible um yeah i'll be 30 this year and that's fucked up i was just thinking about because like, I, I was i was trying to think if you were one year or two years older than me but yeah you're gonna be 30 this year that's weird yeah. I, I, I was thinking about, like i have two years up to my 20s and like what am i doing with it like you know <laughs> yeah what am i doing with it uh you know. well well i'll i'll make us watch 13 going on 30 for my <laughs> <laughs> we'll have Danielle come on and we'll do that episode yes. uh, for my birthday bylaws. Where we're going to be 30, flirty, and charming is. Uh... <laughs> I saw 13 going on 30, Mike. I'm familiar. <laughs> I've seen it too. I don't remember anything about it. That's, though, the, one, it. that's the one line I remember because she repeats it over and over again. Like that's yeah. the, uh, the line that she says, like when she's in the closet or whatever uh, and turns 30 the next day or however it works. It's been a while. I think Mark Ruffalo's in it. Uh, sure. Yeah, know, that seems perhaps. Yeah, back, back in the pre-Hulk days for for Mark Ruffalo there. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you should absolutely do thirteen going up thirty <laughs> for your uh, for your birthday podcast. That'd be hilarious. All right, I think we're getting off the rails now, Mike. It's time. It's I, time to wrap up. I think you. Are, I think you are correct, sir. But uh, you know, if there's any podcast that we're allowed to go a little bit off the rails on and be a little self indulgent, it's the birthday oh, podcast. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely, it's in the bylaws. It's in we'll the bylaws. Do everyone. Yes, exactly. Uh, all right, so uh, take us out, Mike. You're the one hosting this thing. Uh, where can we find you online today, Mike? Uh, well, you can find me online at uh, M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterbox, and Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Wow, you can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. Uh, and if you want to donate to support the show, you could do that at our Kofi page, which is Kofi.com/slash Mike and Mike Pods plural because we have two podcasts. Oh, should I have done that and part because we're doing like, reversing everything? Now? We, we flipped everything. Well, <laughs> we still got our own canned responses. That's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I know there's an outro thing about what, what we're doing next week. Next week, you can listen to our uh, discussions episode, yep. which we recorded last week from the past into the future. Exactly. X-Men. Um, <laughs> and uh, stay tuned for our uh, complete works episode this week where we're talking about Goldblum's performance in 2002s. 
2001? 2001. 2001. 2001. I don't know. What is time? We've established we're old. Time doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> uh, 2001's One of the Hollywood Ten, which was surprisingly, uh, what, a, what a wonderful, great discovery. Yeah, a really solid movie, and I think a really fun discussion about that, uh, that period in history. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Find out about McCarthyism, which is bad. Yes. Uh, and you could do all that on uh, Rapture Press, which is the thing that we're part of, the Rapture Press Network, where you can listen to... Uh, <laughs> Uh, totally original geek news podcast, which is a com- podcast about all kinds of geek news and comic books and stuff. I forget what you have written down. Uh, you basically sh- got it. I mean, yeah, I think Nailed, you, I, hit the, I got the bullet points. You, you, yeah, you got the gist of it. I think you moved some <laughs> words around, but you pretty much got it right. I got it. Yeah, maybe not every single syllable, but I got it. Uh, and uh, <laughs> also check out Danielle Clark's uh, podcast. I mentioned that already, but uh, no more late fees. That's, yeah. a, that's a fun one, too. Totally. Uh, and thanks so much i almost said go remember to go for the gold loom but that's the other podcast <laughs> thanks for getting in the cage nope <laughs> was that a genuine mistake or did you or is that a joke oh it was definitely on, on purpose yeah. uh see, <laughs> see you on the other side that's the one that's it I did it. I remember. I did. remember all the stuff. That was incredible. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, I'm, I'm very glad that it took a half hour to uh, get to it. I can't believe that you got the record for the longest time uh, before <laughs> before reading it. You did it one I time. I about not saying it, and I was like, oh, we'll just not do it this episode, but that felt wrong. Uh, I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> Should we just go back to what we were talking about? I don't yeah, know. I, 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 what I usually do is, okay, that was the trailer for whatever. And right. Yeah. <laughs>